so please turn in your Bibles to Ezra chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 11. If you're wondering where Ezra is, Ezra follows Second Chronicles. So it's further in the back, or further in the beginning than it is toward the end of the New Testament, in the beginning of the New Testament. If and so while you're turning, you know, how many of you have ever heard the phrase, timing is everything? You ever heard that? You know, it's important, timing is important in both what you say and what you do. So there's a time to say certain things and a time not to say them. And there's a time to act and a time not to act. And if you get ahead or behind, you're going to miss your opportunities. And so this was important to Ezra in knowing when it was time to rebuild the temple. And so we're asking ourselves this morning is, how do you know when it's time to build? How do you know when it's time to build? Because there's, there's a time for everything. We know that from Ecclesiastes. How do we know when it's a time of building? And so today... We are going to read the first chapter of Ezra. And I believe there's some indicators of what God is doing. We're going to get into a little bit of the history. And we're going to do a little bit of a character sketch of Ezra. And then we'll be into our verses. But we're going to begin with verse 1. Chapter 1. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah... The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he sent a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is, excuse me, which is in Judah. Whoever there is among you of all his people, may his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. Every survivor at whatever place he may live, let the men of that place support him with silver and gold, with goods and cattle, together with a freewill offering for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. Then the heads of the father's household of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites arose, even everyone whose spirit God had stirred to go up and rebuild the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. All those about them encouraged them with articles of gold, uh, silver, with gold, with goods, with cattle, with, and with valuables aside from all that was given as a free will offering. Also, King Cyrus brought out the articles of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and put in the house of his gods. And Cyrus, the king of Persia, had them brought out by the hand of Meredith, the treasurer, and he counted them out to Sheshbazar, the prince of Judah. Now, this was their number, 30 gold dishes, 1,000 silver dishes, 29 duplicates, 30 gold bowls, 410 bowls of a second kind and a hundred or excuse me, a thousand other articles. All the articles of gold and silver numbered 5,400 
Sheshbazzar brought them up, brought them all up with the exiles who went up from Babylon to Jerusalem. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now and we ask that you'll speak this morning. And as we look at the task that was assigned here, I pray that we will understand how you work, that we will see your hand, and Father, we'll come to know you better. I ask you to speak to each and every person here today. I pray that they'll hear your voice and that they'll follow after you with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, we see the signs <laughs> of the time to rebuild our... God begins to move on hearts. People obey. And God provides both people and resources when it comes time to rebuild. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about Ezra before we jump into the verses. Ezra received a commission here from Artaxerxes to rebuild the temple. Now, I have said in the past, and I have since learned something from God's word, so I need to correct the record. I have said in the past that Nehemiah was sent to rebuild the walls because Ezra couldn't get it done. That is not true. That is not true. Ezra was not commissioned to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Ezra was, re was commissioned to build the house of God. And so, if you go back in the, old, in, in the Hebrew Bible, Ezra and Nehemiah are one book. They're not two books like we have in the English Bible. And so they run consecutively together as one book. And one thing we learned about Ezra is that he loved the Word of God. He, was a, he loved God's Word. He is credited with restoring scholarship and reading and study of God's Word. He is one of the ones who brought that back. Tradition tells us that he actually founded synagogue worship. And as they returned to this happened while they were in exile. Because remember they were in exile because they had not honored the Lord. And God had them carried away so that the land would sit dormant. Which they had not allowed it to sit dormant. And when God gives a command it will happen. If we don't do it he will get it done. <coughs> And if you count the number of years and you do the math, it's the exact number. If they had just done what God told them, they wouldn't have had to go through that. How many of us can attest to that kind of situation? If I had just done what God had said, I wouldn't have had to go through all that. And so here he is, restoring that, restoring worship there. And as they travel back into Jerusalem, we see him setting up synagogue worship according to tradition. He prepared his heart to both to seek, to do, and to teach God's word. We see that as we travel through, the, through this. What's really interesting, though, is that he doesn't appear anywhere in the book until chapter 7. This, this book is 10 chapters, but he doesn't show up until chapter 7. And so we see this groundwork in this, uh, that's being laid by God in the hearts of people around him. He also worked to canonize the Old Testament. 
Now, if canonization is a new term for you, it's a big religious term, means to assemble together, to, to identify. We call the Genesis to Revelation the canon of Scripture, that this is the assembled books. He assembled the books of the Old Testament. That's when they talk about canonization or canonize, means to put those together and say, this is what God has spoken and we have to accept this as authority. So he, Ezra, worked on behalf of God with others to do to put that together. He actually wrote portions of First and Second Chronicles and is believed to have a hand in Psalm 119. 119, 9 through 11, maybe. With my whole heart of my thee, let me hide that word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So he's thought to have a hand in writing that. <clears throat> he codified, he also codified Israel's laws. They had had a time where he's working with uh, Israel to get it in writing because a lot of it was verbal back then. They didn't have a Xerox machine where they could, didn't, they didn't have the internet where they just put it on there and everybody would believe it because it was on the internet. They had to, have, it was a different time where they had scribes actually had to handwrite. Everything, man. We don't get anything handwritten anymore. And if we do in the mail, that's the first thing we open, isn't it? It's like, who wrote me a letter? <laughs> so y'all, y'all even know? Do y'all know how many, how much stamps are now? They're <laughs> like fifty-five cents or something, aren't they? I was like, yeah, this is. I'm gonna chase this rabbit for a second. I was watching this old show the other night. And the guy gets a letter and he says, 17 cents. I wouldn't write to anybody if I had to. <laughs> and I'm thinking, wow, times have changed. <clears throat> and so he was, but Ezra, I was back to Ezra. <laughs> he worked to codify Israel's laws. Ezra, and, and we talked about this earlier, that Ezra and Nehemiah are one book in the Hebrew Bible. So they go right together. Now, isn't it interesting that before God rebuilt the walls, he rebuilt the place of worship. And so the city was impacted, not because the walls were built, but because God was there. And that's the key. And I'm not so sure that God hadn't led us to this because of something he's doing here in this body, especially after last week. Because we all presented ourselves to be vessels, to be used by God last week as a group. And God is leading us into this time of building and it's funny that he's talking about building the temple. And so we begin with God moving on their on hearts. So what's happening is Jeremiah had been preaching about God returning his people to the land as God had told him. And God did it. He had seen it. Jeremiah had preached about this, the return of Israel. And the king heard... Jeremiah. And the word of God landed in his heart. It changed the king. He knew he was responsible. He was over all of Israel. And here's the prophet of God, recognized by the king, saying, I've got to do something. And we see that God moves on him. And so Cyrus, also known as Artaxerxes, king of Persia, who was considered a good king, he was considered good to Israel. 
He wasn't one of these kings that tried to destroy his foe. But he was good to them. And so God stirs up the spirit of Cyrus to fulfill what he had told Jeremiah about returning his people to the land. See, God will work in the hearts of other people. It's not just our heart. He's going to work in the hearts of others to accomplish his work in and among us. That's what happened with Israel. So what I'm encouraged about is God is working in the hearts of other people, even this morning, about what he wants to do here, about what he wants to do as we go out into the city, about our calling and our opportunities. We don't have to try to go convince somebody. We don't have to try to come up with the best argument. Because God lays the groundwork. He works in the hearts of men and women. And so in response, Cyrus sends a proclamation and he does it in writing. Now, proclamations back in that time were not always in writing. Sometimes a king would just make a pronouncement and it was spread by word of mouth. Because that's what they had back then. Can you imagine that game of telephones? <laughs> but here he puts it in writing so there's no question so there's no question what he's saying he puts it in writing when kings put stuff in writing it was meant to remove all confusion about its origin and be adhered to he wanted it done he said I'm going to make sure this gets done I'm putting it in writing and he, and he sealed it with, a, with his seal and sent it out and so Cyrus, moved by God, sends Israel home. The time of the captivity, the time of being away from what God had promised them, the land that was theirs, which is still theirs, by the way. I see nowhere where that land has been removed from Israel in the Bible. He sends them home. It's the promised land. And so God, so you begin to see that God is moving on hearts. You know, when I went through training for church planting, they called these persons of peace. That you'll encounter persons of peace that open doors for you. We had, we had one great person of peace. When we first started New Life, this building didn't exist. This was cows running on here. There were cows moving through here, right through here. And when he heard about us, he offered us office space and utilities, and he paid for all of it for three years before we had a building. I want you guys to pray for him. His name is John Hankins. John Hankins is battling brain cancer right now. So we need to be lifting him up. God used him in a mighty way to help this trip get started. <clears throat> I talked to his son yesterday. And so God moves in the hearts of people. I mean, people don't do that. They don't just give stuff away. And here he is, turning it loose because God had said. But we also see that people obey. Cyrus knew he was appointed by God and was doing what God wanted. People obey. 
So God moves on hearts. There's people that they, God moves in their heart and they don't obey. I want to ask you if you've ever done that. Anybody ever been disobedient to God? You don't have to raise your hand. But people start responding and doing what God asks them to do. That's the beginning of God building. And so we see that here with Cyrus. And so he sends the Israelites back to, to Jerusalem in Judea, or in, excuse me, in Judah. Now, let's not skip by that too quickly. Because there was a divided kingdom back then. Judah and Benjamin made up Judah. The rest of the tribes made up Israel. And Judah was considered godly and Israel was not. They had adopted foreign idols and foreign, foreign uh, worship centers. And they had replaced God with all of this. And like, well, you know, he's abandoned us. And oh yeah, has he? You abandoned him. But he sends them back to Judah. And that's where Jerusalem was. Isn't that interesting that Jerusalem sat in the hands of those who still love God? I found that interesting. So um, Cyrus decreed, instructed them to rebuild God's house and be supported by the people. And so they cleared the, the way for the Israelites to return with confidence. The decree cleared the way. He plowed the road for them. He plowed it down. And so when we begin to respond to God as he leads us, and we start to see that beginning to happen, it's going to be a time of building. It's going to be a time of building and construction as far as the house of God. See, we can't go build the city walls until we build a place where God is honored and revered and lifted up where his word is not compromised. You know, God's word, did y'all know God's word is under attack today? Because the world has changed and don't like some things in God's word. And they want to take it out. Now it's inspired in spots and they're inspired to spot the spots. But I'm going to tell you something. Genesis to Revelation is the word of God. And we either accept it and submit to it or we don't. Now, if I were to ask you, there's some things in the book you don't like. I'd be the first one with my hand up. There's things I don't like in here. I wish God had done it another way. I wish Jesus had didn't have to go through all the pain he went through for me. Just my own stuff, my own sin. So I at least want to make it worth it. <laughs> and live a life that honors him. And so people begin to obey. They return home. And he plows this road for them. But God doesn't do that. When God calls you, or when God calls or he's moving, he provides people and resources. So he moves in hearts. You start to see people responding. And then 
He provides people and resources. In verses 5 through 11, notice here that the people also obey because God had prepped their heart. They begin to obey. They begin to do what God had decreed. They begin going. People begin giving. There wasn't anything held back. See, God provides the labor. If God stirs your heart, then do it, folks. I will tell you, and here's the thing that I learned, and I've learned in ministry. It does not have to excite me to be the will of God. Did you know that? You're like, what are you talking about? I remember these, I was at a, a church, I was serving at a church, and Somebody asked to come talk to me. I don't know still to this day why they came and talked to me instead of the pastor. But they came and talked to me and they wanted to start a prayer blanket ministry. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and uh, again, I was wondering why I was sitting there hearing this request. And... Uh, they started telling me about what they wanted to do. They said, we don't need any money. We've got everything figured out. We've got all the stuff and we got all this. We're going to pray over it. We're going to give it to people who are sick or people who've lost a loved one. They touched hundreds of people through that ministry. And it was funded out of the, out of the hearts of the people in the body. And I didn't see it. But God had put it on there. And I've seen that happen more often than not. So do not think it has to be led from here to be the will of God. It has to be led from there. And we fall under submission. So if God stirs your heart, let's talk about it. Let's go. Let's get a holistic approach to what God's doing. Because we together are the people of God. This is not about me. This is about him. And you connecting with him and hearing his voice and walking with him every day. Isn't that what we're after anyway? I'm going to tell you just a minute how to open the door to that. Because what's going on here is God is at work and people are responding and changing and things are happening because they're doing what God asked them to do. Those are signs that God is up to something. And so God provides not only the labor, but he provides the materials. We see that there are articles of silver, gold, goods, cattle, valuables, and the free will offering of the people. They didn't like any of the materials they needed to go rebuild. Now we know that this was not the same as Solomon's temple. It was a little more basic. You'll see later on that people are weeping because it's not the same. Because they were holding on to some of that. But let me tell you something. God works through people different, doesn't he? Differently. You know, I, I run into that all the time, you know. We're looking for a church like so-and-so. And I said, good luck. <laughs> I didn't say that. The thing is, there's nobody like 
that. There's nobody like, we're, nobody's like each other. I know what they're meaning, and I've never said good luck to somebody. But the thing is, you have to find out what God's doing at this time, at this moment, and what's happening now. You know, there's an old story about these, these girls or, or these guys that were driving up in the mountains and this car full of girls goes by and they're, they're all looking back at them and they drive right off the cliff. Sometimes we miss the turn of the road because we're looking back at something good. And we have to be careful that we don't hold on to the past See, people hold on to the bad things of the past and they bring them down, right? But people also hold on to the good things of the past and miss the moment, too. And so let's live in this moment with God and what He's doing. Let's not miss our moment. I believe it was, it was Ruth who was told, maybe you've come for such a time as this. Maybe that's why we're here. Doing what, doing what God has asked us to do. They didn't like the materials. God provided everything. All the silver and gold and goods and cattle and valuables and the offering, they had it all. And God provided it through the hearts of his people. But God also provided the sacred. The gold and silver dishes. The bowls and articles. See, here's the interesting part. Even Nebuchadnezzar could not steal from God. They were still intact. He could have melted it down, but he didn't. God preserved it for this time of return. This time of worship. Time where God's house was to be rebuilt. And so God always provides everything we need to worship him. Have you ever been in a situation where God asks you to do something and you go, well, I don't know how I'm going to do that. I have. And I'm going to call myself out this morning because that mark is the wrong answer. When God calls me to a task, it's not because I have the resources. It's because He is the resource. And He's calling me to that task because he wants to provide for himself. So he'll receive the glory and the honor. Just like he did with Abraham and Isaac. You know, really what's interesting about that, if you read, go back and read it, it doesn't say that God provided for himself a ram. You know what it really says? It says he provided himself a lamb. Himself. And we read later that Abraham saw my day and was glad. So did Abraham see Jesus as the Lamb of God? He provided himself a lamb. Interesting. I think the latter. I think the words bear it out. Because we believe in the verbal, plenary inspiration of the Word of God. That's a big phrase. It means we believe the actual words are inspired by God. Not just a thought. And so where does that leave us? How do you know it's time to build? Well, 
We need to look for heart. We need to look for heart. Listen to what people are saying. We know out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we need to listen. But you also need to listen to what you say. How is God moving on your heart? I've been listening. Have you been listening? How's God moving on you? How's God moving in your heart? Have you been afraid to obey God because you didn't have the resources? See, even Cyrus didn't know what all the resources everybody had. He just said, it's going to come from there. It'll be all right. And you're going to see that they actually purified the return team. It's interesting how the people were purified before they were able to serve. So how is God moving on your heart? So look for heart. Look for obedience. Watch what people do that aligns with what God is telling them. See, when, when it's God, there's always follow through. There's follow through. Confidence in the voice of God always leads to obedience, right? If we're confident in the God and what he said, then we obey him. We know it. If you know God, if you guys knew that God told you to do something today, would you do it? You knew we had to shut it out, it was God. Now, you might, your mind may have gone to something where you believed it was God and didn't do it. Did anybody do that? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. Remember, we're not anchored to the past anymore, right? We talked about that already. Because if they were, how on earth could they ever go back? They were already carried away from there. Why would they go back? A place of pain? A place of being ripped apart? A place of being separate, families being separated? Because not everybody was carried into exile. Only some were. Go back and read it. They took the leaders and the men, and left the women and children there. So now these people come back who really don't even know each other. Isn't that interesting? And here they're providing the things for worship. And so, obedience. A willingness to obey opens up the voice of God. If you want God to speak to you, if you want to hear his voice, you have to be willing to do whatever he tells you. Because why would he speak to you if you're not going to do it? Why waste your breath on someone who's not going to follow what you're telling them. And if we want to walk and be in the center of God's will, and if we want to build what God has called us to build, we have to listen to his voice. We have to say yes, and we have to step out in faith. We don't have to have all that we think we need to have. We need to have God because he exceeds what we think we need. And he'll deliver for himself all that we need. 
And so look for heart, look for obedience, but also look for appearances. Now, appearances can be deceiving, can't they? We put on a good show. We look all, yeah, you know how I know that? How many of you have ever fought on your way to church? <laughs> you get out of the car, hi, how are you, brother? Good to see you. I'm sure that's never happened to any of y'all. That hadn't happened to Terry and I in a while. Because we drive separate now. <laughs> so appearances can be deceiving, but we have to look for appearances. You may not always see everything at first, but God's provisions always follow obedience. Always follow, always. I challenge you. To find somebody in this book who obeyed God that God did not provide for after he led him to it. Find me one. Find me one. Just one. Because then we have reason to doubt. Listen, when Terry and I came here because God called us, we came with nothing. Stuff happened every day. And I'm a, you know what? You ready, Robin? Stuff happened every day, except one day. You know what was different that one day? Mark didn't pray that morning. Prayer is the key, folks. We need to be praying. We need to be praying that hearts and minds will be open. We need to be praying for the salvation of the city. We need to be praying for the ministries of the church, the leaders. We need to be praying for your role, what God's asked you to do. We need to be praying for folks that share our heart to come and visit and become a part of what God is doing. Folks that are in love with the Lord and unwilling to compromise truth. That he has set apart to help build. They, look what happened here. If God has called us to a task, he, what did he say about my house? He said, my house would be a house of prayer my house shall be a house of prayer how many of you most of your prayer starts with Lord thank you for this food let's be honest you know because we're not going to get anywhere if we're not honest if in my life during the week most of my prayer has been, thank you for this food. Maybe I've missed out on something. I'm just saying. Because that cuts me too, if I'm honest. Because this ain't about somebody up here that's got it figured out. If you think I've got it figured out, then you've been deceived. But I know the one who does. And I have to trust and rely on him. Because he's the answer to every question. <laughs> so appearances can be deceiving. We generally want everything in a neat little package before we obey. Like, oh, God, you call me that? Oh, and there's everything I need in my little kit to obey God. We have a kit to obey God. Did you know that? Well, God, if you want me to do that, and this, and this, and this, and this will be there. And when that gets there, then I'm ready. Then I can obey you. <coughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen. 
What on this earth does not belong to God? The earth and the fullness thereof belong to Him. We're told that. All that stuff He already has, He wants to know He's going to give it to somebody who's going to actually do it. He's not going to give it to you before you do it. Before you're out there, before you're willing to go. He's looking for hearts. How many... Well, I'm going to date myself here. How many of you have uh, ever seen or heard of the old TV show All in the Family? The young people are gone. Archie Bunker and his son-in-law having this conversation. <coughs> and it's going back and forth. And uh, he says to him... <laughs> Oh, it was Archie and Edith having a conversation. And Mike walks by and interrupts with the question, What God? Because if you remember, Mike was an atheist. And, you know, Archie whips around and he's about to answer and deal with, with Mike. And his daughter walks by. And she goes, Yeah, Daddy, what God? And he's taken back. He can't even believe his ears. He knew about Mike, but... His daughter, and he looks in there and says, You weren't you weren't brought up that way, little girl. To which Gloria responds, I know, Daddy, but we just ain't seen any evidence of God. And I'm afraid. I'm afraid that that's more true of the church today. Then we realize, could we go on and have church without God? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm out. If that's what you want, I'm out. You find someone else. I don't want to be a part of a church that God's not in control of. I don't want to be a part of a church that doesn't see the power of the hand of God. That he's not moving and changing lives that people aren't being saved, that new ministries and churches aren't being born and birthed, that missions is a side issue. Let's get on the mission stuff, folks. Amen? If I'm a part of a church, I, and if we die, I want to die broke because we, we were doing something for God. Not because we sat in our four walls and tried to, and had one LED light on so that we could make it. Because there is no resource that God doesn't have. There is no heart that God cannot reach. There is no body that is outside of his ability to speak to them. And when God does it, I want to be in a place that there ain't no way we can take credit. But we can say, I don't know what's going on, but it's God. I know a friend that happened to. The church started exploding and it was about him. It was about God. They, made, they were doing what God had asked them to do. God started blessing. And the state convention went to him and said, we want to know what you're doing. He said, we're not doing anything. We're just doing what God. Has. No, we don't want to hear that. We want to hear what you're actually doing. We want to know your formula. 
And he gave, and God told him, he said, don't you do it. Don't you do it. Don't you take credit for what I'm doing. And he did. And guess what happened? The blessing stopped. If we're in a season of the hand of God moving, don't you dare take credit. We give him the glory. Ezra was the one that God had commissioned as well as Cyrus. You could make an argument for Cyrus here too. A strong argument. But you can make an argument for the people that had been set aside with goods and blessings and provisions. See, it's not one person. It's God and only God that can accomplish God's task. We don't ever accomplish God's task man's way. We don't ever surrender to the new hip and latest things. Now, is there anything wrong with projection? No. Unless God tells you no. Or you're trying to generate a sense of excitement. You know, we can do a lot of things to appeal to emotion. But I want more than emotion. I want heart. I want the heart of God and the heart of man to, to come together for the work of God. And the power of God to make fall. I want to be there. I want to be somewhere where that happens. Do it now. Do it now. Do it now. We read about all these moments in history. Listen, history is being written every day. You have a history and I have a history. This right now, this moment will be history in a few hours. But it begins when people begin to pray. It begin, every movement of God has begun that way. I've never found one that didn't. When we begin to pray, and we begin to be willing, and we begin to tell God, you tell us and we'll do it, and we actually obey, we, we don't have to have any of the resources. We, we know that because we did it, and God is with us, he'll take care of it. And if he doesn't, then the time for him to do that hasn't happened yet. Don't put him on your schedule. Get on his. Sometimes we think that we need the we, we think we need provisions before we get them. And that happens in serving God too. Trust me, I've been there. But we gotta have this before we can we gotta get this and we gotta There's times to do that. They assembled the stuff before they went, and the, but they got some stuff when they got there. And God will tell you which. But when you start to see God speaking to hearts and you start watching people obey and you start seeing God provide people and resources, he's up to something and he's up to building. And I believe he's calling us to that. It's really interesting how God, <laughs> he's God and I'm not. <laughs> And boy, am I glad for that. <laughs> the question is, what has he said to you and have you done it? I want everybody to bow their head and close their eyes. <laughs>